Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Mets did make a move the other day, which is basically a lottery ticket kind of move when they claim Stephen Ridings off waivers from the New York Yankees. Ridings barely pitched last year. He missed most of last season. It was a shoulder impingement injury, and he spent a lot of time rehabbing that. Uh, he throws really hard. He's a redhead, so you know I'm I'm obviously in my glory. He's a big, big kid, like six seven, six eight. Like I mentioned, throws really, really hard. The concern would be, and look, there's no concern. They claimed him off waivers. There's no harm. There's no foul. Again, like a lottery ticket of, hey, maybe this is going to be a big arm that can help him at some point next year. He's barely pitched in the last three seasons. If you and 2020 was obviously a problem for everybody because a lot of minor leaguers didn't pitch during the pandemic season, but you look at 20, 21, and 22, Stephen Ridings over three years pitched 31 innings in the minor leagues. I'm not talking about the major leagues. He's only pitched five innings in the major leagues. Yankees called him up uh, at some point last season. So he hasn't pitched a lot over the last three years. So it's one of those things where, I wouldn't set up huge expectations, but why not? Because you're going to need some young arms to come up in the middle of July. It's just the reality. I mean, we talk about how many starting pitchers you may need on your roster uh, to go through an entire season. Like you need to go seven, eight deep. If you're lucky, it's probably more than that. It's probably nine, 10, 11 guys that have to make starts over the course of a season. I think you could look at bullpens the same way. You know, you're especially nowadays going to have, you know, basically nine guys in your bullpen. So you're going to go through a lot of guys. And remember a year ago, this isn't a new move, but just drawing a parallel. They brought in John Curtis. John Curtis was a relief pitcher. I think it was with Tampa Bay for a while. And they brought him in coming off a major injury, rehabbed him last year and hope that John Curtis can make an impact out of the bullpen at some point in 23. So now you throw Steven Ridings into that mix of guys that can help you because you're going to need a lot of guys. That's the bottom line. Now you got the closer set, which you feel good about in Edwin Diaz. You got a couple of relieving arms, specifically a guy like Drew Smith who you can write down for this bullpen. But obviously there's going to be a lot of little spots you need to fill, including something they never filled last year, which was a lefty out of the bullpen. Two guys specifically were DFA'd 
in the last 48 hours during this whole roster crunch that, while not perfect, we're talking about DFA players. So none of these guys are perfect. Don't don't poke holes in them. We're talking about kind of the bottom of your 40-man roster here. But two guys were DFA'd that jumped to my attention where I said, oh, okay, can you claim these guys? And obviously, since I brought this up referring to lefty, lefty arms, you can imagine where I'm going. Two left-handed pitchers. We'll start with Ryan Yabro of the Tampa Bay Rays, who is more of a an opener over the last couple of years, soft-tossing left-hander. But look deeper into his numbers. And here's what you'll find. You don't have to look. I'm going to tell you. I'm not making you go to baseball reference. I'll do it for you. He gets lefties out. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what I notice. And what's really important, obviously it's tougher with the three batter minimum, is if you put relievers in a position to succeed and you don't expose them and you have them in the right lanes. I hate that term. Aaron Boone uses it, but it's sort of right sometimes. If you use the right reliever in the right lane, you'll maximize the best out of them. So Ryan Yabro, who's been used as a starting pitcher, as a spot starter, as an opener, and I'm not saying the Mets couldn't use him in that role too. Like I mentioned before, you need as many arms as possible, but go deeper. He gets lefties out. That's guy number one that jumped out at me. Guy number two, and I was surprised this guy was DFA'd because I remember him with the Marlins a few years ago. He had a dominant season with the Giants during the pandemic year and is a serviceable reliever, and that's Harlan Garcia of the San Francisco Giants. They DFA'd him. And I'm like, okay, bring him in. I mean, geez, we watched Joely Rodriguez all season last year. So if I'm not mistaken, and hopefully this isn't outdated by the time you're listening to this, because I guess these guys could have been claimed. I apologize. Um Harlan Garcia will be offered in reverse order of the standings to every National League team. So the Mets have a better chance at successfully claiming Harlan Garcia. Yarbrough first to every American League team. Then he gets offered to the National League. Obviously, if these guys clear outright, they become free agents. And then you can just freaking sign them. So those are the two names that jumped out at me because they've got to do a better job. Billy Epler needs to do a better job of adding left-handed bullpen arms. I get it isn't four years ago anymore where you could just bring a guy in to face one lefty. It's a different world. I understand that. So you do have to have some ability to get right-hand hitters out. Adam Adovino was in that spot this past year on the opposite side. Great numbers against righties. His numbers against lefties weren't that good, but he was able to overcome it and had a really, really good season out of the bullpen. So uh, those are two names that jumped out at me. Bring him in. You never, ever, ever have enough relievers. And I don't think the Mets are spending big on relievers, not because they're cheap, but because why would you? They're all just complete. They're all lottery tickets in a way. The rare guy who isn't is a guy like Edwin Diaz, which was why it was so important to take care of him. And they did on that five-year, potentially six-year deal. I mentioned... um, on Carton and Roberts. It was Yankee related, but I'll bring it to the Mets. I I'd sniffed around a little bit, trying to find out from other teams, like who's available? Like what guy, you know, we, we make assumptions that guys are available. Who's out there. And I was reading a little bit about Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox being available. He makes $14 million this year. He had a fine year last year, a decent year. He's not Edwin Diaz. He's not Emmanuel Classe, but had a good year. Decent year, I guess. 
if he gets traded, his vesting option for 24 becomes done deal at $15 million a year. Would the Mets be interested in packaging a James McCann and then a good, helpful player for the White Sox in a trade for Liam Hendricks? I don't know. I'd like to do it because I want bullpen help. I don't know if the Mets are going to think it's smart to pay Edwin Diaz as much as they're paying him and then also pay Liam Hendricks $14, $15 million. But that would create quite a one-two punch out of the bullpen of a Liam Hendricks and an Edwin Diaz. The other things that happened over a few days ago, I'm going to be completely honest. I have no idea who these guys are. The Mets hired Jeff Albert as the director of hitting. He's a former coach with the Cardinals and the Astros, and they hired Eric Yeagers as the director of pitching. He's got a background in biomechanics and this driveline baseball, which is a performance center that uses research and advanced data to help players. Here's what I learned about things like this. Hear me out on this, and then we'll move on because I know no one cares. If the Yankees made these hires, oh, my God, typical. The geeks are running the asylum. It's the Sabre metrics. I can't stand this organization. Fire Cashman. Because we as Met fans are now happy people, and we love the fact that Steve Cohen is buying people, here's our reaction without knowing a goddamn thing about either one of these guys. Oh, I love it. We're investing in the team. This is great. Cohen's taking it seriously. F you, Jeff Wilpon. <laughs> so, listen, I don't, I don't freaking know. All right. Information is a good thing. I don't think information is a bad thing. Now, you don't want to give guys too much information. It'll F up their brains. But when I saw these hires, first of all, I laugh. Director of hitting, director of pitching. But my brain jumps to how people will make this good or bad based on your mood. Right now, the mood at the Yankees is bad. So you make these hires. It's exactly what I just said. Ah, too much stats. We're happy with the Mets. So Mets make the hire. I love it. Steve Cohen's investing. Who the hell knows? Nobody freaking knows. Brilliant. Never, never, <laughs> never seen a better move in my life. I love that driveline baseball. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, the other thing is, and this is more of a fun topic. Buck Showalter won the National League Manager of the Year. Congratulations, Buck. 101 wins. Uh, I think all of us as Met fans were overall very happy with what Buck Showalter did this season. Uh, Real quick, from afar, do you think the manager of a team that had a division lead all season long and then managed to lose it, I'm not going to say blow it, lose it in the final days of the season. Would we from afar think that manager should be manager of the year? Let's all be honest with ourselves. I already pay. I love Buck. I love Buck. Love me some Buck. Uh, really? Is he the manager of the year? Cause I thought about that. I'm not sure if he is, you know who I think the manager of the year is. I think it's Brian Snitker because think about this. The Atlanta Braves won the world series. Okay. They come back the following year. They get off to a very mediocre start. They're 10 and a half games behind the New York Mets. You could almost understand like, ah, all right, you know what? They won the World Series the year before. They're not that, not winning the division this year, whatever. Just make the playoffs. They call up Michael Harris. 
They call up Vaughn Grissom a few months later. They deal with their own set of issues. And they go out and play just ridiculous baseball for a four-month period. And then mono mono sweep the Mets in Atlanta. This is all what the voters can see. Obviously, postseason non-factor. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's why the Rob Thompson thing isn't fair. Anyone who brings up Rob Thompson, dude, it's not a postseason award. The Phillies were a third-place team that tried to blow a playoff spot to the Brewers. Like, I, I get the Phillies played a lot better with Rob Thompson as the manager, but you know who else uh, uh, replaced a manager midseason and the team played a lot better? Jerry Manuel in 2008. We're not giving him the freaking manager of the year. The playoffs don't count. I want to make that clear. They do not count. They're not a part of this award. So the Rob Thompson thing is ridiculous. Stop. Don't bring up Rob Thompson to me. Come on. Obviously, knowing what happened, yes. If we counted the playoffs, yes, I agree with you. We don't count the playoffs. So, uh, Met fans are going to hate me. Like, I'm raining on, I'm not raining on the parade. I'm being honest. The manager of the year should probably be Brian Snitker. With that said, with that said, Buck Showalter was everything we wanted. And when you hear players talk about him, Max Scherzer did an interview recently with uh, John Heyman. On his podcast, Max Scherzer loves Buck Showalter. And we haven't heard a player say a negative thing about Buck. And I hope Buck has the staying power. I hope that it's not an act that runs dry. Tom Thibodeau is an act that runs dry. Has a great first year. All right, we're sick of him. So hopefully Buck's here for the next bunch of years, as long as he wants to manage. But when you look at the award, they, they blew the division. I'm sorry. Sucks. Bothers me. Still bothers me all these months later now. They blew the division. Is Buck Showalter the manager of the year, Huff? Uh, I, I don't think so, but I wouldn't give the Snitger either, though. Like that's not the I I, I do Who'd like, you give it to? I, I like listen, I know you're right. It's it's a it's a not a postseason award, but Thompson was able to get his team together. What were they? They were how many games under five hundred when they fired Girardi? No, they and weren't. he I, brought I them all the way back. And that was with one, out there, one of their best players who may be out for some significant time in, in 2023, by the way, with Bryce Harper. Yeah, I look, Rob Thompson did a Jerry Manuel-like job, I really think. I think Jerry Manuel is a good comp. The only difference was they didn't have extra playoff spots in 2008. That's the only difference. And so the Mets never made the playoffs. But the Mets were sparked after they fired Willie Randolph. There's no question in my mind. And... Okay, they were a lot better. 87 wins to me compared to 101 wins by the Mets and the Braves and even Dave Roberts. I don't think Dave wins it. Uh, I think what hurts Dave Roberts is that the Dodgers are good every single season. And I think the Manager of the Year award in a lot of ways has become a who's overachieved the most award. Hence why I think Buck won it. Because while the Mets had higher expectations than what their win-loss record was a year earlier, Winning 101 games is crazy. 
system, especially in the history of this franchise. So I think that's why Buck won, because that's what the award has become. Uh, You know, I I was looking back, though, at other manager of the years that the Mets could have or should have won. 86 jumps out at a lot of people because I agree. How does Davey Johnson not win the National League Manager of the Year in 1986? It was actually won by Hal Lanier, the manager of the Astros. Okay, you know, Astros won the division. They had a tremendous season. So on the surface, it sounds a little crazy, but it's not like they gave it to somebody who finished in fourth place. The award did not exist in 1969. The Manager of the Year Award was created in 1983. So you got to realize that Gil would have won it if it existed in 69, it did not. So, all right, Davey doesn't win it in 86. Davey doesn't win it in 88. They get, it went to Tommy Lasorda, manager of the NL West winning LA Dodgers. Okay, fine. No issue. The one that, I, I don't know how to explain this, two of them actually, where I would say to, say to you right now, the Mets got effed out of the manager of the year. And here are the two years. 1999. Now, do you know who won Manager of the Year in 1999? If the answer was Bobby Cox, I'd say, no problems. Braves won the division. They're better than the Mets. I got no issue with Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox did not win the Manager of the Year in 1999. Who the hell was it? You ready for this? No. No. The winner of the Manager of the Year in 1999 was Jack McKeon who managed the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds are the team that the Mets beat in the play-in game for the National League wild card, which, by the way, is a regular season game. It's not a playoff game. It's a one-game playoff that counts as a regular season game. The reason I say that is that counts in the regular season. So the voters watch the game. They watched that lighter shut down the Reds. They watched the Mets beat the crap out of Steve Paris on a Monday night in Cincinnati. And then those schmucks went to bed and said, let's vote for Jack McKeon. Now, I'm giving the writers too much credit. That's not what they did. They're a bunch of lazy bastards. They voted for Jack McKeon a week earlier. They sent their little ballot in. They said, oh, the Reds, what a cute story. They sent it in. That's what they did. Bobby Valentine was the manager of the year in 1999. Why, you ask? Oh, okay. I'll answer it for you. The Mets were struggling. The Mets were really, really struggling. They lost a Friday night game to the New York Yankees in June. They lost a Saturday afternoon game to the New York Yankees in June. And then Steve Phillips decided, you know what I'm going to do? I can't fire Valentine. So I don't think Fred Wilpon's going to go for that. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut Bobby's balls off. I'm going to publicly... What's that term for cutting someone's balls off? Isn't there like a, a, a almost a medical term? Uh, castrate. castrate. Yeah. Castrate. They, <laughs> I'm going to publicly castrate Bobby Valentine, and I'm going to do it at Yankee Stadium. And so Phillips fires all of Bobby's coaches. Oh, you like Bob Apodaca? Too bad, Bobby. He's gone. The Mets go out on that Sunday night after Bobby gets castrated, and they win. Al Leiter pitches well. Mike Piazza hits a home run off Roger Clemens. More on that later. And the Mets go on a run. The Mets get hot. Mets, I think, beat the Blue Jays about a week later, interleague play. 
and they go on a run, end up having a tremendous season. They have a great race with Atlanta. They come up short because Chipper Jones is an evil son of a bitch, and the Mets win the wild card. Manager of the year! Manager of the year! Someone let Bobby know. He's the freaking manager of the year. Why I'm so pumped about this right now, I have no idea. I don't know why. You're on. You're on a, a on one right now. You're fucking on. Oh, excuse me. You're on one right now with this. But you, you but are. Guess you. what? Guess what, Pete? What? I I ain't done. There's yeah. another travesty in manager of the year land. You want to hear another there, one? There, okay, so there's only two other options. I think it's either, it's it's got to be a playoff team. Clearly, correct? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. So it, I mean, it's either Willie Randolph or Terry, Terry Collins. I'm going to lead towards Terry Collins, 2015. So it's not Terry Collins in 2015. And I'll tell you why. Terry did a fine job. It's not a knock on him. But the manager of the year that year was Joe Madden, if I'm not mistaken. The Cubs had a better record. They had a great year. I forget what their expectations were. But they also did it in a very difficult division. If you recall that year, the National League Central had three playoff teams. They had the St. Louis Cardinals. They had the Chicago Cubs, and I think they had the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think those are the three teams that made it in 2015. And the Cubs won the wild card game and then defeated St. Louis in the divisional series. Obviously, none of that stuff matters. It's a regular season award. But Joe Madden and the Cubs won a lot of games that year. So while Terry did a great job, especially considering the adversity the Mets faced, he did not deserve the manager of the year that year. Uh, I got no problem with that. It's 2006. Because if you recall, the New York Mets were like the only good team in the National League that year. Only good team. The Mets won the most games in the National League by a lot. We all know what ended up happening. L- NLCS to the Cardinals, who only won, what was it, 82, 83 games. But do you know who the manager of the year was that year? Because wait, if it's not Willie Randolph and they won the most games in the National League, who would it be? Would it be Tony La Russa and the Cardinals? It would not. No, 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 no. It would not. What if I told you that the manager of the year finished under 500? What if I told you that? Would I be lying to you? I would never be lying to you like that. It was the year that Joe Girardi managed the Florida Marlins. They defied all expectations. They were supposed to be the worst team ever, and they won 78 games that year. And Girardi ended up getting fired, if you recall, because Jeffrey Lurie is just an evil douche. So Girardi gets fired, but they win 78 games stunningly, and he's the manager of the year over Willie Randolph. I mean, I could scream and yell. I'm not going to, because here's why. It's so absurd, so absurd that Willie didn't win the award. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just calmly give you the facts, and then everyone else can scream and yell. The Mets had the best record in the National League. The Marlins were 20 games worse. 20. And Joe Girardi won manager of the year. What an effing disgrace. If you're Willie Randolph, you must think to yourself, wait a second, let, let, hold on, let me get this straight. I wasn't given another managerial job, never given a second chance, and the voters didn't give me the freaking manager of the year when I managed the best team in the National League 
by 10 miles? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. 